This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins, Sr. Today's message is titled, The Conversation, Leadership Edition. Dealing with conflict, Pastor Jenkins has a discussion with FBCG leaders on how to handle conflict. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Let's go ahead and get started. Everyone, let's welcome our amazing pastor, Pastor John K. Jenkins, Sr. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's so always so good to see you. Let's go ahead and dive right into some questions. So, Pastor, you've been very specific how you want the leaders of First Baptist to operate. Can you talk about that standard and why it's so significant to you? You know, leadership determines everything. Um, if you have great leaders, you end up having people willing to follow those leaders and I'm so proud of our leaders here at First Baptist. They, are, they embrace what the Bible teaches. They are committed to the Lord Jesus. They are learning to love and care for the people who are following them. When I was a little kid here at First Baptist Church, Ben Arden, the, uh, the pastor's wife, First Lady Johnson, used to say, if you call yourself a leader and you ain't, nobody's following you, you ain't doing anything but taking a walk. Uh, but I'm honored and grateful that we have people that are willing to follow us. And I think they follow us because they know we care about them and we're thinking of their best interest. And um, I'm, I'm proud to have the kind of leaders that we have here at First Baptist. Pastor, one of my favorite things about you, and I think we all can agree to this, is that you have such a humble heart. You walk in such humility, and you teach about humility so effortlessly. Why is it so important for a leader to walk in humility? Humility is the heart of God. God loves humility. I want to say that a thousand times, and I preach it here all the time. God's call to us is to walk in humility. God opposes the plans of the proud. He resists the proud, James 4, 6, but he gives grace to the humble. When you, are, when you walk in humility, God smears you with his grace. He rubs his grace. Grace is the ability to do what you're supposed to do and be what you're supposed to be. Grace is when God gives you the desire to want to do what you're supposed to do and be what you're supposed to be. And so, Humility is, is important because that's the avenue from which and by which God gives you his grace. That's good. That's good, Pastor. So, Pastor, we are joined with some of your incredible leaders. We are joined. Pastor, who up here has been with you the longest? Uh, the longest person Who's... here is easy is Reverend William S. Berkeley. Oh, Jr. right hey. now. Hey there. <laughs> you don't look a day over 25. There it is. Look amazing. So can I ask you a question? Would you like to join us, hop into this conversation here? As a leader here, what are some challenges that you've experienced? And how have you um, been empowered to overcome those challenges as a leader? Well, you know, the pastor is such a great teacher of the Word of God. And that when he even teaches on the subject in James where he talks about faith, I believe that humility does cure worldliness when we humble ourselves, submit ourselves to God. And so when there are conflicts that arise, 
we want to first of all have a humble spirit listen and see what the word of God is telling us that we've been taught by the man of God that we might once again bring resolution and resolve that's awesome you just say it right you're supposed to say the man the God. you got to put a D you got to put a G on the end of it it's not man of God it's the man the man of God yeah you got to say it right like that I love it. I love it. All righty. So we've got a, a question coming up. I don't know who wants to pop on up here and join us for this amazing conversation. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that question out. And if the spirit moves you, just jump on up to that mic and you talk to us. All right. So as a leader, leaders are often scrutinized, right? They're, you're often kind of nitpicked of what you're doing or what you're not doing or what you're doing and not, not enough of. But as a leader, how do you balance um, being held to a standard, but while also needing grace? Anyone? In your different uh, departments in which you serve in, how do you find that balance between um, being held to the standard of being a leader, an effective leader, a humble leader, but while also needing um, grace, being a recipient of grace. This crew right here is so humble. They, so, they're they not going to stand up and ask. You have to call on somebody. I'm going to have to call on Let's somebody. Let's call on Reverend Skip Little. Oh, right here. Re believe, Reverend Skip Little. I believe he's he the one that got the answer he for today. He got the answer. Come on and step to the mic, uh, Reverend he, Skip. Take off this mask. <laughs> it's really a great question. Um, but the answer came for me when I was a, a member and I wasn't in leadership. And it was a Thanksgiving service, for those of you who remember, Pastor Jenkins gives a Thanksgiving service where um, we celebrate the Lord and give thanks. And I don't know if Pastor remembers this, but I had my son in my arm and it was a line. And I wanted to speak, to, Timothy kept saying, I want to speak to Pastor Jenkins, I want to speak to Pastor Jenkins. And Pastor said, no, not right now. But he saw the hurt look in my face. And I was mad because I was an immature saint. <laughs> Still am, let the church say amen. And I was an immature saint at that time, but Pastor Jenkins kept calling me and kept calling me and kept calling me until he was able to reach me and apologize. Now, that was going to bode well for me when I did finally become a leader. I became an employee at the church. And I love the question that you asked, Tam. Because, you know, as a, as, a, as a staff person and as a minister, you have to do a lot of funerals. And you're on the stage. And I can't tell you how many times I've been called, I call it the principal's office, because someone in the family or someone was watching in Des Moines, Iowa, saw me do something and saw me say something. And, I, and, 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 and every time I went to Pastor Jenkins, well, no, I didn't go to Pastor Jenkins, let me take that back. Every time Pastor Jenkins said, Skip, I need to talk to you, whether it was by phone or in the office, he always corrected me, but he always extended me grace. And he did it every single time. I walked away, Pastor, and I'm so grateful for you. I learned the lesson. And, and if, if you want to talk about humility, I look at it now, I joke about it now, but I look at it every time I get a call from Pastor Jenkins, whether it's good or bad, whether I have to go to the down net. Like, so those of y'all don't know, especially y'all watching far away, there's a long, from my office to Pastor Jenkins' office, it's a long walk. So you got to walk. And you're seeing all the great saints, <laughs> from Bishop Jenkins to everybody and else. Watching you. And you're just, just watching you. And I'm like, Lord have mercy. What is the pastor going to say to me today? But I, 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 I've, I've learned to take it as I'm about to learn something. 
I'm about, about to learn something from Pastor Jenkins where I need to make an adjustment, where I need to make a correction, and I followed everything uh, he's asked me to do. I've had to write letters to people and ask for apology. I had to enter into, one time he told me, you got to be that person's friend. I said, Lord, I don't want to be that person's friend. No, you're going to be that person's friend. And I befriended that person to this day. And so I look at uh, when you make a mistake, uh, pastors showed me, look at it as a learning moment and, uh, and not a time to complain. And I'm just grateful because I gave this story early. I know I'm talking a little bit, but it's all good. I gave this story early about a month ago. I got a call uh, from the office from uh, Pam, and uh, she's like, well, Pastor Jenkins wants to see you in Beverly. So I was like, Lord have mercy, what did I do now? So I'm talking to Beverly, trying to think, baby, what did I do? What did I say? Was it a funeral? Was it a wedding? Was it a counseling session? I'm going to get one of them couples. You know what? It wasn't one of those couples. It's one of them jokers from MCC. When I get a hold of men connecting with Christ, I'm going to let them have it because they done told on me, and I'm getting corrected again by Pastor Jenkins. And then when I went to the office, it wasn't a correction. It was a promotion. Let the church say amen. amen. So thank you, Pastor Jenkins. I love you so much for all of the lessons you show me how to take on and really embrace the word humility. I don't look at it as a, as a badge of dishonor. I look at it as a badge of honor based upon your example. And you're such a great leader. Thank you, Pastor Jenkins. You know, uh, I, I want to say something about what he said. By the way, I didn't see him in my office when this was over. <laughs> Uh, everybody can't receive correction. That's right. And it takes a level of security in your own self and, and humility to accept correction. Uh, years ago, I used to um, take the month of August off, and I would have all the different ministers preach, and, you know, just we had a thousand services, you know, going on, and I'd have people preach, uh, preaching. So one uh, particular year, one of the guys that I had preaching sung a song before he preached, and um, then he preached. So uh, he's not a singer. So I called him in my office and said, I did not invite you to sing. I gave you the opportunity to preach. So I'm, and I'm trying to coach him, because you go to a church to minister, if they didn't ask you to sing, that's not what they called you to do. You're supposed to preach. So he got upset and mad. He eventually left our church. He's not here anymore. So everybody does not have the humility to be able to accept correction. And I, and I would just say, this is an important point, if you have somebody who loves you enough to give you guidance and give you suggestions and give you... Uh, help in becoming a better minister or a better person or a better worker, accept it with grace. It's very, very important. And, and Pastor, and this is a question for, for everyone on, on the floor, you know, when that happens and you have that sit-down conversation with them and they don't receive it well and if they go out and they slander your name and try to tarnish your reputation, how do you handle that? How do you handle the attack when you know that you're doing what you're called to do, what God has called you to do in that moment, to hold someone accountable, and then it backlashes. How do you, how do you deal with that? I'm about to call on somebody. I know that teacher of me. I'm about to call on one of the Capitos. It looks good over there in that corner. It looks good in that Capito corner. It looks good. One of these. He won? 
I think Dr. Jones is saying he wants to answer that question. Hey there, hey there Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones would be a great person to answer that question. This is our, C, our COO, Chief Operating Officer, Dr. Joseph E. Jones. Great man. Other than he's a Cowboys fan, he's a great guy. What was the question again? <laughs> so, um, as a leader, how do you handle um, when you're holding someone accountable and they retaliate in a way that kind of slanders your name or tries to tarnish your reputation or it just, ooh, it just gets a little hot. How do you, how do you handle that, well, that as a leader? Happens. <laughs> that never happens. Uh, well, um, I bring about the correction and I try to point out whatever the issue is, you know, give them the facts, coach them, and, um, and you know, and the one thing I tell, tell my folks that uh, I don't do drama. Um, if there's an issue, we address it, fix it, don't try to, you know, fix blame, but fix the problem. And then we move on. And then we try to figure out how to not repeat it. So, um, so if somebody has an issue with, <laughs> with my correction, um, and that's happened, must admit, and, and sometime they'll uh, talk to somebody else about it, uh, I give them the opportunity to come back and talk to me. Um, or I just, I just leave it alone and figure they'll get over it, you know? So, I mean, we don't have time to be babysitting. We have work to do. And, and I try to treat people fairly, treat them with dignity and respect, and, you know, pastors set the standard, the, the model for humility, but accountability is a part of that too. All of us are accountable. Uh, and and if, if my folks are not doing their work, then I'm accountable as well. You know, so uh, it's just a matter of uh, passing on, sharing responsibility, and sharing accountability, and that's it. Great. Excellent. Excellent. And I think you have to have tough skin as a leader. You have yeah. to be willing to let people talk about you. Good leaders have to have a level that's of being good. okay with people not liking your decisions or what you say to them. That it just goes with the territory. You know, if. If I tried to bow down to every opinion that the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden that people had, we would never get anything accomplished. So you have to go with what you think is right. And hopefully we're, we're praying that people develop an attitude to be willing to be corrected or advised or, and, and you know, now I have corrected people based on what I thought I knew and discovered later that the information I had was inaccurate. So somebody calls you in and they, they, you know, your boss or supervisor or whatever calls you in and they don't have all the facts, educate them on what the facts are if that's in fact is the case. So that would be my, have some tough skin. That's the bottom tough line. Tough skin. I love it. I love it. Pastor, we've got a question on the floor from one of our leaders. Go ahead and take it away. Okay. I have a two-part question, Pastor. The first one, you talked about um, internal strife, but my question is based on external strife. So how do you handle conflict between leaders? That's the first one. The second part is, how do, re how do you remove the bitter memory or the taste that remains from the conflict after the conflict has been resolved? Yeah, let me just answer just one of those questions. <laughs> no, um, 
So the first question you said was? How do you handle conflict between leaders? Okay, so here's what we teach in our church, that if there's a conflict, a sin, a problem, an issue between two people, we practice Matthew 18 in our church. We've taught this a thousand times, Matthew 18. Go to the person privately between you and that person alone and try to bring reconciliation. Most people don't do this. Most people won't walk down the road of following Matthew 18. But that's what the scripture clearly tells us to do. So that's what we try to get our leaders to do. Most people don't do it because they don't know how to approach people. And we teach them what we call SBI. SBI. Let your conversation start with S, situation. When did the problem or the offense occur? That's S. B is behavior. Focus on the behavior that the person did that's problematic. Behavior, not motive, not intention, not what you, you don't say you never, you always know. Say specifically what the behavior that you saw or heard. And then the I in SBI stands for impact. Here's how that behavior impacted me. So that's giving people just a little tool on how to approach somebody when some kind of offense has occurred. SBI, situation, behavior, impact. I think your second question had to be, well, how do you get over, how do you heal, I guess was really the question, when you've, you've had a, 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 a conflict. And, and I think the biggest thing I can tell you is learning how to forgive somebody if they've wronged you or they've hurt you. Forgiveness is one of the critical things all of us as Christians need from God, and so we have to extend it to other people. So you got to learn how to forgive. That would be my answer to that second question. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, question, Pastor. For someone who is struggling honoring their leader, they've got an issue with their leader, whether it was a situation or they may not be too crazy about their leader's character, they're in a position where they have to submit to authority and they're not crazy about their authority figure. What kind of advice um, can you give that person who is just struggling with honoring the leadership that's placed before them? So uh, Proverbs 21 and 1 says this, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord and he guides that heart whithersoever he wills like the rivers of water. That means this, the king, the person who is, the king represents the person who is in a position of authority. That's what the king stands for. That person's heart is in the hands of the Lord. And I would say to people, you have to make a distinction between a person's role that they occupy and the person that they are. When uh, Bill Clinton, I'm sorry, President Bill Clinton had his drama and behavior with a young lady on his staff that blew up in all the world. If he had come to the First Baptist Church of Glenarden, even though I detested his behavior, I would have honored the position that he held as the President of the United States. You got to learn to honor the position that the person holds, even though you may find their behavior detestable. Is that a word? Detestable? Yeah. So you got to honor the position, respect the position. You don't, you don't have to like the person or the behavior of the person, but respect the position that they hold. That's good. That's amazing. That's really good. That is good. You ready to call on another leader, Pastor? You ready to just call one on out? I got yeah. many, so many I wonderful mean, leaders so up here. so many one. You want to call one of them out? You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the question. Here's the question. 
So how do you maintain your leadership? You are under this phenomenal leader. Let's clap it up for him one more time because he's just the bomb.com. <laughs> Pastor has endless, endless series on just how to walk this walk, right? How to do it, how to be effective, how to be intentional, how to be strategic in it. As a leader, how do you maintain and keep up with those principles that you're challenged to apply in your everyday life? How do you do that? Is it professional development? Is it maintaining your devotional time with the Lord? But what do you intentionally do to ensure that you're leading effectively? You know, Deaconess Thelma Haygood That's is going to answer that question. Oh, I think she is. I feel like... I feel like the answer is just rolling I, off of her right now. She can't wait to get up and go to the mic and share yes, with God's place I heart. know she can answer that question. <laughs> the Lord has called her for such a time as this. So, I've been sitting under Pastor Jenkins' leadership for 30 years. When I first met him, I was working in corporate America. And I would come to Bible study and take copious notes of everything that he was teaching the biblical standards, the truths, etc. Right now in my home, I have this many books from Pastor Jenkins' teachings. I continue in my life to go back to that because that's what has sustained me. You know, one of the things that the Bible speaks about is that when you're transformed, you know, you have, your mind is renewed. And so when I came here, my mind had to be renewed because I was in corporate America, and that's the ways of the world. But he was teaching me what God says, and so I apply that. So that hasn't changed for me. I continue to study God's word. I continue to have time with the Lord. I really do, I have gotten into a mode of praying, like Muslims pray, three times a day, and then even in the evening, spending time with the Lord, because that's how he speaks to me. But I would, if I'm allowed to, I would like to ask Pastor a question about the heart. You said something recently that touched me so deeply. We were talking about conflict. And you said, don't let the sun go down on, on your wrath. And then I believe you said that you have to understand that when you allow that to happen, it, it, it gets in your heart. Can you just repeat that and explain that to me a little bit more. Yes. Is that so, okay? Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, Elder Select. Tell me how Yeah, you, you know, the big thing with God and our relationship with him is what's in our hearts. What we think, what we feel, what we allow to stay in our hearts. Very important in your relationship with God. And I think what you heard me say is if somebody hurts you, offends you, deal with it then. Don't let it, don't let it set in your heart. Don't let it settle in your heart because it grows. So the pain will grow. The pain is not going to just disappear. It's going to grow. And eventually you'll find yourself dismissing that person, not liking that person. And that's problematic because the Bible is clear in its teachings that you, you cannot say that you are in right relationship with God and you have an offense with somebody else. Should have got a few more amens on that point than that. So that's why I, I believe it's important that you resolve that issue, that problem. Don't let it 
settle in your heart. Don't let it harbor in your heart. Don't let it grow in your heart. It's very, very important to get it right. Well, thank you. I have now added that to my HR toolbox, and I, I really do appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, we have another question on the floor. Good evening, Pastor. My name is Labrita White. I'm an officer with the United Voices. And my question for you is, as a leader, how do you work through situations wherein your action may be, may be perceived as control, but the intent is accountability? How do I operate? Let me make sure I understand your question. When people think that you're trying to hold people accountable, but they, they view it as control. Yeah. yeah, and you know, people who don't want to be accountable will view accountability as control. And if you don't want control or accountability, this is not the place for you. Because we do have accountability at the First Baptist Church of Glenarden. You have to be accountable. And if you view it that way, I can't change how people think. Like I maybe say to them, perhaps this is not the place for you. We believe in accountability. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. All righty, I think it's time to call on another person, Pastor. I like this game. I like this. Let me hear the question. Let's okay, here's the question. So I think if the pandemic has taught a leader how to do anything, it's how to adapt to change. As a leader, how do you adapt to change? How do you posture yourself in a position to pivot when things don't go as you think that they were going to go? I was one of the people who thought uh, we were going to be out for the like six weeks <laughs> and they were going to send us yeah, back. Yeah, I thought we were going to be out for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's been two years. <laughs> two years. But as a leader, you had to pivot. You had to switch it up. You had to be willing to change. How did you do that? Yeah, Reverend oh. Cynthia Terry has the answer to that question because she's the she president does. of our Shabbat Ministries, yes, and she's had a lot of change. She had to run her whole organization with change. I love and it. the Lord has anointed her to be able to speak to that matter. Oh, my. Take it yes, away, gorgeous. How are you? <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor. Again, as we see and do as our leader, uh, demonstrates for us. It wasn't something that we could um, do with just one person. Our pastor has a tendency to invite leadership to the table. And then we all have an opportunity to um, give our, what the Lord has given us and, and guidance and direction. So that's what we did in our area. We called the leaders together because no one person had the answer. And there were no wrong or right answers. It sort of became, this is best at this time. But the great thing about it is that when we would bring things to our leader, we, we were just never told we don't have the resources to do that. Because a lot of the things that we had to do, we needed the resources. And because of that, we pretty much never skipped a beat. And in some areas of our organization, we have doubled what we were doing before. So, praise God. Okay, we have another question on the floor. And I'm glad Skip brought up his, um, his story because some people would take uh, correction as you being 
judgmental. So when they called, the person called you, I was wondering with, um, you know, some people say, oh, Pastor, they called you, they just judging me. However, you said that it was a correction. Can you explain the difference in judging and correcting? Yeah, in Matthew chapter 7, um, Jesus said, judge not. And the word judge means to make a determination based on appearance. That's what the word means. So when you make a, an assessment about somebody without facts, without doing the research, without knowing the, with clarity what the facts are, that's judging. When I was, uh, I tell the story all the time, I was um, a young kid driving home from work one day. I saw my, my friend Billy Ophus walking home from his job, picked him up to take him home. I was, you know, probably in my 20s. And uh, on the way, Billy said, I just got paid. Can you take me to cash my check? I said, sure. Where do you want to cash it at? He said, can you pull into the drive-in window at the liquor store? Initially, I said, yeah, that's no problem. Then I thought about it. I thought about it. All I need is for one of them church persons to drive by and see Reverend Jenkins' car at the drive-in liquor store window. And now I'm going to be a drunkard before I get home. Um, when you make an assessment without checking out the facts, that's judging. That's what judging is. You don't know what a person's going through. You know, you, you know, you judge what a person wears. You might not know that that's the only clothes they have. You don't know. So you, you, you do some investigation before you make an assessment about that person. That's what the difference is. And God calls us not to judge people. Don't judge. Don't just make an assessment based on just what you see. Do the research and get some facts. Add the facts. Yeah, have right. some facts. Thank you so much. Thank you. So the guy, the guy who was uh, I asked to preach and was sung a song before he preached uh, said I was judging him. But no, I wasn't judging him because I got the videotape and looked at him singing. <laughs> and I heard him. I, I ran it back. I heard him trying to sing. So I had some facts when I went to him. So he just didn't like getting corrected. All right, Pastor. So before um, we hear final thoughts for you, we're going to call on one more person. We're going to call on one more person. Here we go. I'm going to give you the question. You already getting ready to think of who it is? All righty. What is one major lesson, a takeaway, um, that you learned leadership from and being a leader? What is one leadership principle that you have learned, that you've taken away, you've applied it to your leadership style? What is that one principle that has just completely transformed how you lead, um, how people perceive your leadership, how you strengthen your leadership? What is that one principle that's completely shifted how you lead? Okay, I think Reverend Hurd oh, right. has raised his hand and is stepping to the mic. <laughs> he, he came up while you were still asking the question. I love so it. I, he might be a plant. I don't know what this is. Um, one of the things that I, that I cherish about being under this kind of leadership is I, I've worked in music ministry since I was in high school. Um, but the, one of the things that I've learned here is we were in a church meeting one night. This is before we moved here to the worship center. We were in the ministry center. Pastor was giving us the vision of, you know, what the plans were and what we were going to build. And... 
people start asking what I thought were stupid questions. Where are we going to put the offering buckets? And I watched Pastor Jenkins because I'm thinking like, this is a good go-off place right through here. Just go off. And the questions kept coming and it kept being like things that there was no way possible for him to know the answers to because the building wasn't, wasn't built yet. The, the, he was talking about the plans being rendered. They weren't even rendered yet. And I watched his countenance. And it became clear to me that I wasn't here for a paycheck. I was here to get that. I didn't have that. I didn't have, because it wasn't my question they were asking, and I heard my cousin in my mind. And I was like, I don't got that. Like, I need that. Like, it was a grace on him. His, he could have been going off all inside of his body, but we, he never displayed that. And I said, that's why I'm here. I'm supposed to get some of that. It was a grace that I've, I've served some great leaders. I've never seen that kind of grace before. And so... In pressure points, I always ask myself, like, oh, my God, I need some grace because I, I, feel, I feel a go-off. And every now and then I just think it's just good to get a good go-off. But <laughs> the Lord says to me, don't lose your witness. And I'm like, are you serious? This is a perfect go-off. And it's, it's, it's the, I'm a people watcher, like, at the airports and malls and stuff like that. I have whole stories about people's lives I've never met. I watch people's behavior, and I watch that. I'll never forget that moment. It metamorphosized the way I saw leadership, and I saw, like, my personal character building place. I, I, I'll never forget as long as I live. But that kind of grace is, I think, one of the, the major pieces of, of excellent leadership. And that's, that's, that was my moment. So good. That is so good. Well, family, we've come to our time, but Pastor, any final thoughts about leadership, in particularly from the book of James, chapter 4? Any final thoughts? Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of things we can talk about and say. Um, and I, and in, my, in my heart of hearts, deep down, uh, I want everybody to know that they can be a leader. Matter of fact, they are a leader. If you, if you, you, might, you have to lead yourself first. And then um, somebody's watching you. You might think nobody's watching you, but somebody is watching you. And it becomes critical that you behave in a way, you modify what you might feel like doing. I like what Stephen just said. Because I, I remember many, many of our church business meetings where people would say things or, or uh, ask uh, questions that I just finished answering. <laughs> You know, I just gave that answer in the message that I just gave, and then you got up and asked me the very question. But I'm praising the Lord that in not a single church business meeting, I've been here for 32 years, have I cussed anybody out yet. Come on and give God some praise. Go ahead. Out loud. <laughs> you can be a leader. I want everybody to know you can be a leader. God can use you. God can anoint you. God can empower you. You can be a leader. I want everybody to know that. So, and Tamara, thank you for being a leader too. And thank you for your service to our church. I'm so proud of you. Pastor, before we close, can you please pray over leaders, those who are here, those who are watching? Can you just pray over leaders for all of us? Let's pray. 
Father, thank you this day for your loving kindness to us. Thank you for the leaders who have come before us and modeled for us and showed us, demonstrated for us what we should do, how we should live, how we should serve. And I thank you for the leaders that we presently have in our church. And I pray, God, for the leaders that are yet being developed, rising up to take the mantle of leadership that your church can go on. I pray that you smear them all with grace. Let them walk in humility. Let them recognize that without you, they're nothing. And I pray and we pray today, God, that you continue to raise up young people even in our midst who can take the mantle of leadership and help this church and help the kingdom of God, not just this church, but the kingdom of God be everything that you call for the kingdom to be. And we give you praise and thanks and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.